a massive UFO flap over the state of Missouri, has me sit down with a UFO investigator. What is MUFON? How can you use your camera phone to take an actually useful UFO video? And we learn about a bizarre new aspect of the UFO flap. It will have you wondering, hey, are the birds in on this? All this and more in today's Spectral Skull Sessions. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Spectral Skull Session, tales from the twilight world of myth, mystery, and imagination. The idea behind this podcast is that we explore claims about the occult, supernatural, and paranormal from an analytical standpoint. We're open to the existence of a world beyond the five senses, and we dismiss that dogmatic skepticism that insists that any story about the unexplained has to reduce to hallucinations or swamp gas but we're not committed to any particular theory or philosophy about what the paranormal is and we realize that whatever is out there the answer is likely to be more complicated than any existing model or theory what we bring to the table is small s skepticism a skepticism that we throw as much on the mainstream accounts as we do on the supernatural story okay let's get started I'm happy to introduce Margie Kay. She is the MUFON Assistant State Director. MUFON is a civilian nonprofit organization that catalogs UFO sightings. She is also the founder of founder of Unex Media Group, including uh, Unex Magazine, radio and podcast digital station and publishing company. And you're author of numerous works about UFOs and the paranormal, including most recently uh, Winged Beans, theory that winged cryptid creatures are aliens and or interdimensional beings. Do I have that correct? Yes. Welcome to the show, Margie. Thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Dane. It's my pleasure. I wanted to ask you, um, so you're Assistant State Director of MUFON. Missouri MUFON. Missouri MUFON. Can you tell the audience what, what MUFON is? Well, it's the Mutual UFO Network. It was founded in 1969 in St. Louis, Missouri. And it is an international organization that is actually the largest UFO investigative organization in the world. We have field investigators around the world, and we have a what we call a CMS database where investigators enter their information online. And we help each other out. We have specialists in different areas. We even have a MUFON lab, which is located near St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, there's a lot going on here and around the world. That is very interesting. What is the lab, may I ask? Well, the lab started a few years ago uh, as a Missouri MUFON lab only, but now it is the international lab. And uh, our state director, Debbie Ziegelmeyer, had the idea for it. And she spoke with Lynn Mann, who is a lab technician with, I don't know, multiple degrees. And she uh, actually runs that lab. She's the director of it. And they're in the middle right now of building a new one. So shortly, we will have a brand new lab with lots of space and hopefully more equipment, which is uh, something that we desperately need. So equipment and and. For um, are you getting 
things to analyze, like physical uh, bits of UFOs? Well, usually not bits of UFOs, although there are a couple of those. But um, we'll have uh, physical trace evidence that may be left behind. Uh, trees could be damaged, uh, soil or plants uh, have some type of a reaction. And so this physical evidence is sent in and then added to the case files. And it really, I, I'm surprised actually at how much there is uh, around the world because I'm focused on Missouri, but I know that there is a lot coming in for testing and that Lynn is constantly busy. Wow, that's very interesting. Should people report flying creatures to MUFON? Should they stick to uh, saucers and orbs? Yeah, we want we want to stick to uh, unidentified flying object uh, f when reporting something to MUFON. Now, occasionally, something else will come up that seems to be related to the case. There could be uh, ghost activity or um, orbs or you know things that we don't know that uh, might be related, even Sasquatch. We do not investigate those things uh, officially for MUFON because MUFON studies only UAPs and UFOs. But that being said, there are some of us who are members of the organization but also do our own side investigating. And so if somebody, say, sees a winged creature, uh, I would like them to report that to me directly at my website at margiek.com because I, I study that. And I, I believe there is some relation to UFOs because in some cases there, there is a relationship. And so getting to the bottom of that is, is something that I'm working on. That is very interesting. So MUFON wants to focus on um, things that appear to be like metallic craft in the metallic sky. craft or bright lights that act erratically. Uh, strange shaped objects, objects that maybe uh, phase in or phase out uh, of view, anything that might be determined to be a craft of some type, even underwater, of course. And there's a, there are a lot of underwater sightings or objects coming in and out of water. Oh, it doesn't even have to be flying then. It could be like a river monster. Well, no, no, no. We want it to be a craft to be reported to move on. Now, if it's a river monster, you want to report that to somebody who studies that. Yeah, but I'm just, it seems like river monsters and, you know, like a submarine could look pretty similar at a distance. You might not know, you know, you might not know if you just well, saw something. Yeah, the thing is, if if you see something that you can't explain and you don't know where to report it, Go ahead and report it to MUFON, and MUFON will uh, give you an idea of if they want to handle it or not, or refer it out. Very good. And so, um, do you guys ever refer people, uh, say, well, that's clearly a drone, but maybe you should report that to the military, or maybe you should report that to the FAA? No. No, 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 do not. never. Okay, are those the kinds of cases you just don't even want to hear about? If somebody sees a weird drone flying, maybe illegally, just don't eat, that's not... Well, a they could report that to the FAA. Uh, if something is, you know, out of the ordinary, somebody's doing something they shouldn't. Uh, drones, uh, they are almost all licensed now. You've got to have an FAA drone license to operate one, especially commercially. And they have 
uh, transponders on them. So the FAA knows who owns that and where they are. Ah. And if they're doing something they're not supposed to be, you're going to get a knock on the door. That's interesting. Because that means, you know, the aliens, if they ever figure out they could, um, they could just start building drones. They could disguise themselves as drones. Well, <laughs> I've got a little story about that. I, a couple of years ago, I was leaving my office and I saw what looked like a hawk swoop down over my car, down over the windshield. I mean, just barely missing it and the and then the uh, front part of the vehicle and go up. But as it came over my car, I heard a mechanical humming sound like an engine, like a small engine. And so I believe that that what I thought was a hawk had to be some type of a drone. Now, who owned that drone and why they would do something like that is beyond my comprehension. But we're having more and more weird things like that being reported. And in some cases, uh, these things that may be drones or may be uh, what we think is a flying, just a standard flying bird of some type, they have morphed into something else, into what looks like a craft of some type. In fact, we recently had one case in Sugar Creek where this woman who has seen a lot of things, and it's an ongoing investigation, called me one day to say she just looked up and she saw a hawk, and she thought it was a little bit big for a hawk, but she thought she was just looking at a standard hawk, and it suddenly morphed and changed into a standard metallic UFO-shaped saucer and then shot off at incredible speed and was gone in a tenth of a second. Now, what is going on there, we still haven't figured out, but I'm very interested in these cases. And is that a MUFON case? That is. That, okay. that is, yes. So if a bird has some metallic properties, that's worth reporting to MUFON. Or if it morphs into something that looks like a craft, absolutely yes. Okay. We want but to know not, about if it, it remains a dragon like the whole time, that's not <laughs> the kind of thing that you guys would be interested in. Probably not. But but with these things happening, with these things morphing like that, and that's not the only one. There are a lot of these cases. Uh, it just makes you wonder what the heck is going on. Why is why is that happening? Yeah. Well, what do you think is going on? <laughs> I hate to venture a guess, but I think that perhaps the uh, the last thing you see is probably what was there the entire time and that they somehow projected something else so that you wouldn't pay attention to it. Do you bring this up with MUFON? Has MUFON considered the possibility they need to broaden what they consider a, a worthwhile report? We just had major conversations about that, and MUFON has given us a directive and told us exactly what we're supposed to stick to. And so if we think it's anything what we would call paranormal, out of the purview of UFO, uh, that is only put in as a side note in the case, and it's not something that MUFON investigators investigate. Oh, that's really interesting. Do you, who, who is the, is there an equivalent to MUFON, you think, handling the paranormal material? Actually, 
so far there is not, but I can tell you that I am working on something right now along those lines. Oh, very good. So there will be something coming uh, next year. Okay, you're developing an organization that would be that would record sightings that people are having, yes. and you would work more with the paranormal. Yes. Oh, that's very, very exciting. We can look for it. Is there anything we should look for to keep an eye on that? Just keep an eye on my website, uh, margiek.com or the UNX uh, network site, and uh, you'll see information come out about it. Uh, we'll have it on Facebook as well, on our Facebook groups. Can you tell us anything about the flap that was happening, the uh, onset of an unusual number of UFO sightings that seemed to start over the summer in Missouri, and I, I don't know if it's still going on. It is still going on. The uh, flap started August 10th when we got 10 reports on the same day in Kansas City area, and then we've received a number of, of sightings after that. Usually Missouri gets around 10 or 11 sightings a month, something like that. Uh, but we have received 92 sightings since August 10th. So a flap is when you have an unusually high number of sightings in a short period of time. And usually in our past history, the flap might only just be one day or maybe as long as a month and it's over and everything's back to normal. But in this case, it has been ongoing and we're having extremely odd things occurring. In fact, I just had a report from the 7th from a pilot who was flying over Kansas City at the time and headed, uh, headed over St. Louis on their way to Cincinnati. This was a commercial airline. And he reported three unidentified objects that remained visible for 20 minutes. And that is an unusual sighting. Pilots usually don't report. And then we had another one a couple of weeks ago out of Raytown, Missouri, where this person got a video on their ring camera of this very uh, misshapen, kind of fuzzy object that comes into view and then it gets it sharpens up, sharpens up until you can see that it is definitely a craft of some type, uh, a delta wing craft with uh, something on the back end that looks like look like thrusters, and uh, then it curves around and uh, goes behind a tree and disappears. And that video actually went viral. It's all over Facebook right now uh, by the submitter, the witness. But we are our we have a crack video analysis team here in the Midwest, and there are four gentlemen who work on that team, and they take it apart frame by frame. So we're, we're going to be getting a lot more information coming out about that soon. Okay, do you guys publish your results in these investigations? Usually not. Uh, we, we usually want to keep the witnesses anonymous, and they usually want to remain anonymous. Sometimes they do want to go public, and then in that case, we will uh, publish it, or we'll, we'll do a press release to see if anybody else saw the same thing at the same time from a different angle, something like that. But uh, usually the public doesn't know the final results of the investigations. Well, then who do you report the, fi the reports to? Who gets the, um, these analyses? MUFON headquarters. Oh, and gets it. Yes. Where are they located? 
Uh, they have just moved out of uh, Colorado, I believe, to Indiana, uh, the headquarters. Yeah. So they're in Indiana. And... Yeah, but it's the information is always on the CMS. So as long as you are an investigator, we can access those files anytime. Oh, okay. Can you and you can you use those files for your research? Oh, absolutely. And we do. And we would go back way, way back. It also doesn't matter when inciting happened. So we want people to report a sighting they had at any time. Could be 50 okay. years ago. We want to know about it. Does your does the MUFON database, um, did that ever interface with the uh, the Pentagon program that George Knapp and Colm Kelleher uh, were involved in? Do you know what I'm talking about? There was a Pentagon, I think it was called AIMSOG. Yeah. Uh, and they were investigating. At one point, they did Skinwalker Ranch. They went to Marley Woods in Missouri. They were, um, mm -hmm. and they supposedly, according to George Knapp in his book, Hunt for the Skinwalker, they built a big database of all the UFO sightings in government history. Would MUFON interact with that database, or you guys, would you be totally separate? I would not be privy to that information. Okay. That, so there's, yeah. So MUFON's kind of like a, you could, a club you could join. To be, you could become an investigator, and one of your motives might be to gain access to this information because you, for, you're doing your own research. Yes, that's true. And most people who become investigators have had their own sighting, and they're looking for answers. Hmm. Can I join MUFON if I'm a podcast host? Sure. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, anybody who's interested, not everybody has had their own sighting, but they have some interest in it. And I will tell you, it's a lot of work. Okay. So... Uh, it's it's mostly suited to retired people and and very busy people who uh, can do multitasking. Well, people know. People should know. Flaps like the one we had we're still having in Missouri. They often correlate with reported uh, close encounters of the third kind. Have you had any of those associated with this Missouri flap? We have had a couple. Yes, and yeah, I, I can't really talk about them in detail, but. There were ETs sighted. And uh, where are where is this taking place? Where is the activity more over Kansas City, St. Louis City, any particular parts of Missouri? That's the weird part about this flap. It's all over the state. Usually, when we when we have a flap like we did in 2011 in October, it was we had 97 reports in one month in Kansas City alone. That is a major flap. And it's concentrated in one area. But I made some maps for August and September, and I found no set patterns. There were groupings across the state, Cape Girardeau, St. Louis, Kansas City, Springfield, and then, oddly, along I-44 highway. Just, oh, along the highway. Just along that highway. Uh, it's, it's kind of strange. Well, it's a lovely area. Oh, it is. Absolutely. And that area is mostly rural going through the middle of the state. And the other thing is we don't, there's an equal number of rural sightings as city sightings and, and, and towns and suburbs. It doesn't matter where these things uh, occur, they, they occur everywhere. Do you think that some of the increase in sightings could be due to more people getting out, like people from the city going to um, rural Missouri and then they're city people, and maybe they're more likely to report these kinds of things? I, I'm i not sure. It seems that we have a large variety 
of people who report. It doesn't matter what their background is. They could be a farmer. They could be a police officer, a pilot. Uh, it doesn't matter. We, we just get the gamut, and it doesn't matter where they are. Okay. I've had, you know, you can be standing in your front yard in the middle of a city and see something just as easily as out on a farm. Now, people kind of think that most UFO sightings are rural, but really what the case is, is that you can see more stars at night in rural areas, and so those people have a tendency to skywatch more than city people do. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, that rural people may maybe just paying more attention to the sky. Yes. But then city people might not know um, what to expect in the sky when they go. There could be a little bit of that, too. That's uh, very interesting. Yeah. yeah. And then we have the advent of the ring doorbells, like what got that Raytown sighting recently. And they didn't see it until after they reviewed their uh, film footage. They didn't see it at the time it occurred. So these cameras are picking things up and the motion activated security cameras in the cities oh. are picking things up. So that, okay. So if you're in the city, you're more likely to catch something on your ring camera. Perhaps. Because you're more likely to have a ring camera. Mm -hmm. oh, that's very interesting. But we're, but in general, everybody, you're seeing pretty much equal sighting rate of sightings in cities and in the rural parts of the. Yes. Yes. Which was. Honestly, I didn't expect that, but it is true. Okay, and no regional groupings. It's not like there's more a hot spot over anything. No, not right now. There isn't. No. Okay. Well, and and how about the other states? Uh, the states that border Missouri, Arkansas, you know, Illinois, Iowa, uh, Tennessee. They typically do not have as many sightings as we do in our state in this region. In fact, Missouri okay. is usually right in the top 10 for the entire United States. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did I lose you? And you, you don't have any, do you have any idea why that is? I've been asked that a million times and I still don't know because we've looked at uh, geology, geography, lakes and rivers. We have a lot of those. Uh, uh, locations of air bases. Of course, we have Whiteman Air Force Base right in the middle We've got a lot of military installations around the state. Uh, it, we still can't figure out why, but we are very centrally located. So perhaps there is a reason. Maybe maybe that is the only, the sole reason is that we're centrally located. And what at what rate are um, you able to resolve UFOs into identified craft? Oh gosh, sometimes it takes ten minutes. Uh, if okay. we get on flight radar 24 and we see that that exact time at that exact location that it was X plane uh, or helicopter and then the description fits, uh, it's solved. We use various sources or resources to uh, determine what something might be or might not be so we always look for a mundane explanation first and then when we've exhausted all of those things then we have something that's unidentified but we still don't know what it is what proportion of cases don't ever you don't ever figure out what it was you know if you ask uh 10 different people they'll give you 10 different answers because we all have our own experiences with that for me it's about 30 to 40% unsolved that are unexplained. 
but for in general, it would maybe be about 10% okay. unexplained. But I think I know the reason for that. I think because I'm in Missouri, and Missouri's a busy state, that it could be that more unexplained phenomena is going on here than in other states. Absolutely. That makes sense. It could be because there's more unexplained phenomena, um, mm -hmm. or it could be people in Missouri are more likely to look up and pay attention to things that are around them. Could that be another way? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, because it seems that most most of the witnesses are not expecting something. They're not looking for something when they see something. Yeah. Well, we are the show me state. That's true. I wonder if that might play a role. <laughs> They're showing us whatever they are. And if I see something, uh, how would I report it to MUFON? Just go to MUFON.com and click on report a UFO. And then someone from your state will contact you. It'll be an investigator assigned to the case, usually within 72 hours. And then you will set a time for an interview. And if you have any video, photos, any evidence, uh, just go ahead and attach that to that report or give it to the investigator. And is there anything that I should be looking for when I see a UFO that I like? Is it really helpful if I want to file a good MUFON report to have a photograph? Should I note where I am, like on my GPS, time? Is the time important? Anything that people should try to pay attention to? The, the time is very important. The GPS location is very important. But if you don't have that at the time, we'll figure it out. Uh, the most important thing is get your cell phone out, turn it sideways, and start filming on video. No photos use video. We get a ah. lot more information that way. And then the big thing to do is to go into your cell phone under settings for the video and put it on the highest possible resolution, the highest setting you can, because what that's going to do is going to change that from 30 frames per second or 24 frames per second to 60 frames a second or higher. And we get a lot more information out of that so when our video analysis team gets a hold of that video they're going to take it apart frame by frame and get a lot more information from it no that's very good to know then so um doing things taking video and not taking photos and yes. then having the settings properly configured on your phone and turn that phone sideways and try to keep something in for a reference point like trees or houses if possible and also, it's a good idea to lean against something so that you can be very, very steady with that phone. Ah, yes, leaning. Yeah, that makes sense. Steady yourself. Mm-hmm. Wow, thank you. That is very helpful. That's the kind of thing that, you know, you feel like the media should be telling us, you know? Like, they should yes. announce that on NBC at night and say, here's how you make a UFO report. Because people really care about UFOs in America. They do. They do. But uh, well, so far, nobody seems to be doing that. We do send information out, especially on our, our Facebook group pages and uh, and our, our, our just our regular Missouri MUFON page. We send information out like that a lot. And uh, we send our meeting information out that way. So if anybody's in Missouri, if you look on Facebook for Missouri MUFON, you'll find us. Thank you so much, Margie. Okay. 
Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you.